Hello and welcome to the Don't Get Lippy podcast. My name is Jen, I'm your host and also the business owner. Um, Don't Get Lippy was created after myself and my son Will were born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate um, and the business is based around the condition. Each of these chats and talks are there to inform and educate those who want to know more about the condition or those who might be in a healthcare setting that want to know a more personal perspective on things um, and also with an aim to empower and support those who are directly affected by the condition as well. Um, I hope you enjoy these talks and these chats. Um, any feedback is most welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi guys, um, this is a totally different day as to the original recording. Um, on reflection, listening back to the recording, um, I realised that I can bring our story across in quite a negative way uh, that is purely because our experience of feeding a baby with a cleft was stressful and um, but I should actually stress that there's lots of success stories around feeding a baby with a cleft whether that's bottle feeding and even breastfeeding um, I just obviously wanted to relay our story in the most truthful manner um, so please if you are a parent expecting a baby with a cleft don't take my um, example as gospel because there's lots and lots of success stories out there. So make sure you go and have a look for those. Um, and also, I guess what I, sh I don't think I actually mentioned how long it used to take us to feed Will. Um, so we were looking at feeding for an hour, if not more, um, in the very early days. And what we learned is actually feeding for anything beyond half an hour was actually uh, kind of wasting the calories that we were trying to get into Will um, because of the amount of energy that it was taking him to feed. So really we should have been always feeding, bottle feeding or cup feeding for half an hour and then always then moving on to tube feeding. Um, there was some sort of resistance around that to some extent because of how I felt about tube feeding to start with. Um, but yes, it used to take us a long, long time and I know that we're not we're not the only ones in that regard, but um, I just felt like it was an important thing to kind of add on to the talk. So anyway, I hope you enjoy um, and yeah, any feedback is very much welcome. Hi guys. So what I wanted to talk about on this podcast is feeding a baby that has a cleft lip and palate. Um, now my only reference is a cleft lip and a cleft palate because that's what Will was born with. Um, and obviously having one or the other might have different implications um, but I just want to kind of talk through my experience because it was a very very stressful time for me um, and hopefully if there's any parents of babies that are you know about to be born with clefts um, hopefully this will be quite useful um, and likewise for health professionals that support families um, with babies that have clefts um, just to get a different perspective on things maybe. Um, so what I wanted to do is kind of explain about my experience, then kind of go over why it's stressful um, to feed a baby with a cleft, the different types of um, feeding equipment you can use um, and that we actually used, um, because obviously again, that's the only reference I have. Um, and then just a few other bits to finish. Um, I'm gonna try and wrap this up as quickly as possible, but I'm kind of notorious for just talking. So bear with me, I hope you enjoy this. Um, so from the very beginning, um, the only thing that comes to mind is stress. Um, for us, it was a really difficult experience, um, and I'm glad it's not something that I am currently in. Um, 
because if you imagine that the three things that your newborn baby does is sleep, feed and poop and when you take out one of those things everything else goes out the window um, so when Will was born um, he was born by cesarean section um, and he didn't bottle feed uh, I mean bless them the midwives still encouraged me to put him to my breast to try and breastfeed um, but because of the extensive cleft um, lip and palate that he had that was never going to be um, a possibility um, although I should say at this point there are success stories around breastfeeding and um, babies with clefts um, and again you know regular bottle feeding and things but obviously that wasn't my experience so um, you know for positive experiences obviously sort of search through Instagram would be my recommendation um, but unfortunately that wasn't the route for us um, so day one now I can't even remember if we tried to no we didn't try and bottle feed him on the first day so I believe from memory can you tell that I'm just winging this um podcast slightly <laughs> not much planning to it um so we had Will on the Monday and our cleft nurse didn't come until the Tuesday which we were fully aware of that they would come within 24 hour period but when it kind of worked for everybody um so that first day and night we actually syringe fed Will so these were one mil um syringes um, and I was actually able to express for him as well so um thankfully um I was able to do that for him um so yes we fed through Monday night um using one mil syringes um, and we were encouraged to do 30 mils per feed um that wasn't the easiest thing to do if I'm honest um but we did have lots of support from the um hospital midwives which was great um so the Tuesday came along, the cleft nurse came out, um, and antenatally we were advised to use two, um, sort of either one of two bottles, um, of which I'll talk about later. Um, Will did not take to the bottle at all. Um, again, I don't know if it was stress, I don't know if it was the extensive um, cleft issue, um, it may have been the bottle that we chose. Um, so that wasn't successful for us. So the cleft nurse said, right, rather than syringe feed tonight, you need to cup feed. So this was a tiny, I think it was like a 10 mil, kind of almost like a what you'd imagine having medicine from, like the pour it out into a little cup. Um, but throughout the night, the um, hospital midwives came in and fed Will um, with that and I don't know if we should have syringe fed him on the Monday night but we were basically told we shouldn't be cup feeding him on the Tuesday um so that was fine and that was lovely because I got a lot of rest which I was very thankful for um and the Wednesday the cleft nurse came back in and um again Will did not take to the bottle and um, so by this point so at birth Will was five pounds eleven and by Wednesday um, so that was the Monday and by the Wednesday he dropped to five pounds four um, so the cleft nurse was concerned that obviously it was a natural um, weight drop but there was no replenishing what he was losing um, so unfortunately at that point um, Will was put into the high dependency unit and a nasogastric feeding tube was inserted um, so I was three days post cesarean is it three days two days three days post cesarean um 
and the hormones had definitely kicked in and and I had convinced myself from the Monday we'd be going home on the Tuesday and we'd be nailing you know sort of parenthood um, and that just wasn't the case um, and then all of a sudden you're into an incredibly um, medical and stressful environment um, so yes we were put onto um, the high dependency ward and a nasogastric feeding tube was inserted um, we then had a lovely speech and language therapist who came in and helped us um, negotiate sort of bottle feeding um, which was oh, I'd love to say it was successful but I mean it was, it was mildly successful um, so after two days in high dependency, Will was then moved into um, the special care unit where we just continued to do the, the nasogastric feeding tube and the little bit of bottle feeding that we could do. Um, I should say around day four, Will's plate, I think actually it was only the mould that was taken. So actually up until he was maybe 10 days old. He, he literally had what he had um, without any assistance from a um, plate in his mouth, which I will talk about again at a later date, maybe on a different podcast if I'm not sure what that is. Um, but there are some videos and bits on my Instagram if you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so um, a week later, so Monday to Monday, we were in hospital um, and... I was so stressed like I, I now looking back I can't even imagine what it's like to be in that situation at the time it was all consuming um because on top of will not being able to bottle feed having a nasogastric feeding tube which you're switching between nurse mode and mum mode you know very rapidly throughout the day um months in will then got um really really bad silent reflux which as far as i'm aware is quite common for uh, babies with clefts um so we were then having to add in gavascon and that was having issues um will also had um difficulty putting on weight so he was then also put onto high calorie milk so lots of stuff going on um but what i want to get back to is how stressful it was <laughs> um because it is, it is just, it's all consuming. Um, and when things seem to be against you, it's so, it's so tough. Um, and I was a first time mum as well, which I think my level of confidence and knowing really what I should be doing anyway was nowhere to be seen. Um, so I guess kind of going back slightly, um, what does a baby need to be able to feed effectively um so if you imagine a baby that doesn't have a cleft that has no issues no conditions they have a fully formed um mouth so the palate the roof of the mouth is there their lips are, are beautifully formed and no issues so the lips um create a seal around either the teats of a bottle or a breast a nipple um and the palate obviously ensures that the milk is then kind of washed down to the back of the throat that's a very layman terms explanation but that's kind of how I visualize it anyway um, if you take out one of those um, so let's say you take out the roof of the mouth the liquid the milk comes straight out the nose um, and obviously a percentage, percentage of it goes down the back of the throat um, or you take out the the formed lip and you put in a cleft lip and then the baby can't form a seal around the teeth or the nipple so Either one is going to create issues and having both 
causes more issues. Um, so unfortunately for Will, that's obviously um, what he was born with and what the um, situation was. Um, so as I sort of touched on earlier, um, antenatally we were shown a couple of different special feed bottles um, because it is natural and um, totally acceptable to know that when a baby with a cleft is born, they're likely to have feeding issues. So there's been various um, special feed bottles that have been created to assist with feeding. Um, now, I don't know, um, being down in Kent, whether there's only certain bottles that are recommended um, and whether that's different in different counties. Um, but here in Kent, we were advised to either use the Dr. Brown special feed bottle, and you might hear it rattling because I've actually got it in my hand because I needed to remind myself what it looked like, um, or the man bottle, M-A-M for mother, A for alpha, M for mother, man bottle, um, which is here. <laughs> um, and our cleft nurse was incredibly experienced um, and I assume that there was an element of not being able to promote one bottle over the other. Um, so unfortunately, we weren't guided particularly in which bottle to choose. And um, now I have to admit that I, the, the man bottle that the cleft nurse had at the time was quite discoloured and I was really put off by that because I thought that was the actual um, state of a new bottle. Um, and I kind of looked at it and thought, I don't need another reason for people to be looking at me um, or my baby if they saw this bottle, which I'm quite ashamed of, if I'm honest. Um, it was purely based on aesthetics. However, when I asked, you know, which one, which bottle would be better, um, my cleft nurse couldn't say, yeah, I think this one. Um, she could only tell me the pros and cons of each bottle. So if we go back to the Dr. Brown's bottles, um, so I, to be honest, this one's so worn that I can't tell you what the measurements come in at. Um, I think it's um, US ounces that are on the bottle. I don't know. I presume it's an, an American product. Um, and within the bottle, you then have a blue funnel, I guess you'd call it, and a little cap on the top of it. Um, and then you have the teat and a valve um, and the kind of screw on top um, to put it all together. That's probably a really, really poor explanation, but it's how I see it in front of me. Um, and it, in, to all intents and purposes, it looks like a regular feeding bottle. It's just that there's a valve um, within the bottle that actually um, allows the baby or the infant to control the flow. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically it helps reduce um, the amount of air going in um, and yeah, the baby has more control about how much fluid, um, how much milk they're taking down. Um, so this was the very bottle that uh, we used to use for Will and his feeding, which was not good. Um, moving on to the man bottle. Um, now I have no personal experience of actually using this. However, um, speaking to my parents, this is the type of bottle that I was fed on. Um, so a man bottle, um, the sort of special feed one, um, is squeezy. So it's actually a flexible bottle. Um, and basically, it's the, the onus is on the parent. So you need to, and again, this is only me just kind of learning bits and pieces. This is not taking over anything that your cleft nurse or a medical professional actually tells you. Um, however, what you identify is a squeeze, swallow and breathe technique. So 
you're obviously guided by the baby as to when they're breathing and swallowing the milk. Um, but the onus is on you to squeeze the milk um, into the baby's mouth. So obviously you have to work out the level of, you know, sort of flow, the amount of milk that you put in. Um, so I take my hat off to anybody that does this because part of the reason why I didn't choose the bottom as well is because I was like, I cannot be in control of this. Like that's, you know, that's a lot of pressure. And, and also, you know, if it goes wrong, there's implications on that. I mean, that's obviously a natural sort of path to go down that you have to experience with it, I guess. Um, but for me, it really put me off possibly again being first time mum as well, not having any experience with feeding a baby ever. And um, I wish, I really, really, really wish that we had had more, um, maybe like an experience with the bottle um, other than just holding it. I don't know what else you could do if I'm honest. I don't know. Um, maybe it was my lack of questioning around it that, um, you know, should have been more down to me researching things. Um, but I know that people have a lot of success with this. And like I said, I was actually fed um, with a similar bottle um, back in the day. Um, the other thing obviously to talk about is the feeding tube. Um, now that feeding tube, I had such a love-hate relationship with it. Um, I hated that my child had to rely on a medical um, bit of equipment to feed and thrive and be healthy and put on weight um, I felt like I'd failed again at another um, thing for him that I couldn't help him feed any better on a bottle um, and it it was a real struggle and you know you had issues with him pulling it out it came out um, I don't know just it was a very I think I wasn't mentally prepared for it let's put it like that for the very start of it I was not prepared um, although we had been warned again antenatally that it was a possibility, it was very much like a, oh yeah, this might happen, but you know, I hadn't really absorbed that it really might happen. Um, however, it is an incredible bit of equipment, um, and people have feeding tubes throughout their lives and in different places on the body. And it's just, it's amazing that people can be kept alive with such a simple, um, mechanism. And um, so we actually, um, I've got to learn to stop saying, um, haven't I? Um, so I've just done it again. The nurses, so before we left um, the hospital, we wanted to be trained in how to replace the feeding tubes. But because of sort of pressure and stress on the staff, um, they didn't really have time to do that. So we actually relied on the community staff, the community nurses to come out and replace the feeding tubes as and when they needed to, because there's an element of once the feeding tube has been in for a certain amount of time, the stomach acid affects the bottom of the tube. And I don't know if that's just discoloration or whether it actually impacts on the feed going in the stomach. I actually don't know. Um, then where was I? Feeding tube, stomach. Mm. I'll tell you how they make it, how they measure it. <laughs> and again, this is just me watching the, the situation happened so again as far as I'm aware they kind of measure from the baby's ear to the tip of their nose and then to where they think that the stomach um kind of starts and that's a very rough kind of idea for measurement um and if you've never put a feeding tube in or you don't know how it works they basically put it through one of the nostrils um 
And in theory, it would go over the top of the palette if that existed. Um, but obviously for Will, it didn't. It goes to the back of the throat and then down into the stomach. Um, then you have to make sure that the tube is in the right place. So you have to um, pull out some stomach contents um, because what they want to make sure is that the feeding tube hasn't gone down into the lungs because obviously that's not a not the right place. B going to cause you a lot of issues. Um, so you just have to make sure that that's um, tested and in the right place. Um, and to do that as well, they use pH strips. So almost like um, you would in a swimming pool, let's say, and um, they have to test the pH balance to make sure it's at the right um, sort of level. And like I say, they do that to make sure that it's in the right place um, within the stomach. And that's actually something that we had to do um, before each feed as well. So we would have to pull out stomach contents, check it on the pH strips, um, check it against the, the markers and make sure it's in the right place. And I, tell you now i haven't even thought about that since we stopped having a feed in tube i'm literally just remembering it as i'm talking about it so again that's where i mean that we're going from sort of mum to to nurse pretty quickly um but obviously that's safety precaution and that is what it is um so yeah i mean i would say towards the end of will's um, time with the feeding tube he was pretty much I'd, I'd say 80% tube fed and only 20% bottle fed because the level of um, air that was taken down by Will when he was trying to bottle feed was just the repercussions of bottle feeding were just not worth it so we we became very very reliant on the feeding tube we did have uh, periods of time where we tried to not use it um, but unfortunately his weight dropped um, quite quickly. So we basically had to accept that that, that was how Will was going to thrive and, and put on weight. Um, and much like any other newborn baby, we had to feed through the night. And I guess that is a bit of a, a saving grace with a feeding tube because we'll never reach that peak of hunger where he woke up during the night. Um, I would actually time it. So I would wake up I'd even warm up the milk um, and for those of you that don't know um, high calorie milk the one that we were on SMA high energy um, comes in little cartons so I used to deliberately warm it up in a bottle within a cup of hot water so when the um, when the milk hit his stomach it wasn't cold so it wouldn't sort of shock him into waking up and I tell you what if he didn't wake up I was like it was such um, a good, like, achieving feeling because I could then, like, creep back into bed and and then we wouldn't have to wake up until another sort of three hours or so. It was brilliant. Um, and I should say that we, um, the sort of mechanism that we had to start the feed was just like a plunge system. So if you imagine a syringe, you'd pull out the central part, you'd pop the milk into the syringe and then you'd plunge it. And then we purely used um, gravity to, to make the feed go down. And um, I know that those ha that have more sort of long-term um, connections with the feeding tube, there are uh, machines that kind of do the flow for you and things, but um, we just plowed through because we had hoped that obviously it wasn't going to be a long-term thing for us. Um, so yeah, you could often find me hanging over the edge of Will's cot holding up a, a syringe um, whilst I've got my eyes shut pretty much. <laughs> but, you know, it, like I said, it, it did its job and it got us through a really, really difficult patch. So um, I am very, very grateful. And obviously it's just another way that uh, a baby with a cleft might be fed.
Now, the only issue with the feeding tube is when we met with our cleft team, um, the surgeon wasn't prepared to do the surgery whilst he had a feeding tube in. So he had to become um, self-sufficient in feeding in whatever manner that was going to be, um, as long as it wasn't with a feeding tube that went through his nose. Because if you imagine with a, as I've described with the feeding tube, it goes through the nose and, and over the palate once the surgeon had started to repair the pallet she didn't want the the tube rubbing on her work her hard work bless her so um again we completely understood that but that was another pressure um because generally they like to do the um the lip and the hard pallet between three and six months um and we were kind of pushing on to the sort of seven months or so um but you know we just had to accept that he wasn't able to have surgery until then um and like I say, it is what it is. Um, however, <laughs> I had got to a point where I was losing complete faith in what we were doing. Um, we did, uh, which way around did it start? No, I think our cleft nurse came to see us, um, you know, just to kind of talk surgery and bits and pieces. And she handed me um, this funny little cup and she said, we hand these out, give it a go, see what you think. Um, and that was a doidy cup. See, sat in front of me. Um, and this was uh, a slanted cup with two handles. And I thought, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. We've tried every other feeding option. So let's just see what happens. Um, and again, kind of like the man bottle, it was um, like a poor swallow and breathe technique that we had to learn. And I remember my other half was on nights and he came back and I said, I've just fed Phil, uh, who's Will? Who's Phil, sorry. Um, I've just fed Will um, a full feed using the cup. And I was, oh, well, I'd like to say I was flabbergasted, but I was so exhausted that I just couldn't believe it had happened and just kind of did a little cheer and, and, and carried on. Um, but I tell you now, this doidy cup saved my sanity. Um, it is the most simple bit of equipment. Um, but it really, really allowed us to move on from the feeding tube and progress to um, surgery. So I will be forever thankful for Doidy, um, who I actually now um, have a discount code with, um, which you can find on the website if you're interested. Um, yeah, I will always be so, so grateful to this little cup. Um, so although it did feel like I was waterboarding Will at some point, um, it did allow us a bit more freedom. Um, and, you know, it kind of ramped up the feeding quite quickly, which was absolutely amazing. I think from starting the Doidy Cup to not having the feeding tube and surgery being done, I think it was a six-week period. Um, so, yeah, that went really, really well for us. Um, alongside feeding, I should say, because of the silent reflux, um, Will was also started um, wean, uh, started to be weaned early. So around 17 weeks, he started to have um, sort of pureed food and things, again, to assist with weight, to get off the feeding tube. Um, so the poor boy, I mean, he'd got a lip strap, he'd got a plate, he'd got a feeding tube, he'd got all sorts going on. He'd got stuff coming out of his nose, like pureed blooming peas and things. Um, he was a mess, but it got him where he needed to be. And that's the main thing. Um, and one thing I think what I want to um, kind of talk about is 
you know, people talk about um, breast is best and, you know, you shouldn't bottle feed. And blah, blah, blah. No, what you should do is feed your baby in whatever way you need to do that for your sanity, for their health. Just do it. Do whatever you need to do. Obviously, go be guided by your cleft nurses, but do research. Um, reach out to people again on Instagram who may have used the the feeding technique that you're looking at um, to get advice to get some um, sort of personal um, advice rather than just medical and don't turn away from certain feeding um, bottles like I did um, because like I said I really really regret not trying the man bottle or by the time that we tried the man bottle Will was you know he still wasn't into um bottle feeding and that just wasn't the route for him so i am i yeah i'll probably always be guilty about that so yeah if you are um in that sort of situation do your research and and reach out to people that might be able to guide you and give you some advice and hints and tips and things um and the other thing that i want to say is um if you imagine um a mum breastfeeding um their baby and i can only imagine like i said so it wasn't successful for me but um that sort of positive contact during feeding what am i trying to say when will was feeding when when will was being tube fed um i tried as much as possible to have him facing me and looking at me and i tried touching his face and his cheeks and oh it makes me kind of emotional um to make some sort of connection because it's really hard um when one of the most natural things that you're meant to be able to do for your baby you can't do um so yeah just that positive um reinforcement whilst the baby's being fed in whatever capacity that is um and I appreciate that obviously some of these methods you can't actually touch their face whilst they're doing it. But um, yeah, that would be my only other sort of um, advice would be positive contact and um, touching um, the face whilst feeding to make that connection, that mum to mum, mum to baby um, bond. Oh God, I can't believe I got emotional. Okay. Is there anything else you want to know? I'm trying to think off the top of my head what would be worth telling you. Probably not. I think that's probably as good as I'm going to get, if I'm honest. But like I say, anything that I'm sort of talking about is only in reference to my personal experience. Um, make sure you reach out to, to mums for personal experience, but also be guided by your cleft nurse um, and anything that's written by professionals and not just me um although this is an audio podcast in the next sort of couple of weeks um i do plan to do a youtube video to actually be able to show you the um bits of equipment as well um so make sure you look out for that um please give my instagram a follow um which is at don't get lippy uk um and give me some feedback on this podcast because I've completely winged this the whole way through um so yeah I hope you've enjoyed and I will catch up with you soon